This is Bariatric Life Podcast, where we share stories about weight loss surgery. We are not doctors, nor have we ever played one on TV. Please contact your doctor for medical advice. Now on to the show. Hello and welcome to Bariatric Life. This is Amanda. Today, let's talk about the surgery approval process and the pre-op diet. It's just me today. Chris had to run an errand with one of our kids, so I thought I would take the alone time to do this podcast. So the process. So the process is different for everyone. My process, because I decided to go to Mexico, was very easy. They still require the same BMI requirements or obesity-related conditions if your BMI isn't as high. So that wasn't an issue. Excuse me. And basically, I filled out a very thorough health questionnaire. Dr. A looked over it and said, yep, you're, you're good to go for surgery. And then I had it scheduled. So mine was super easy. Now, if you do it in the States or if you're going through your insurance, that's a whole nother ball game. When I had looked into surgery the first time and I had sur- or insurance that would cover it, I had to have X amount of time of X amount of visits with my primary care physician where we discussed weight loss and how to lose weight. I had to have his or her sign off on it. There was going to be a site consult nutritionist visits and that was pretty much it for that one. Now I've heard of other insurance companies that they require so many, I mean, possibly unnecessary, but maybe necessary requirements. Your, you know, primary care physician clearance, of course, and then a psych consult, which from what I've heard, isn't ongoing psychiatric care. It's basically them making sure that you know what you're getting yourself into and um, that you're you're prepared for it mentally and they sign off on it. Um, I could be completely wrong depending on your insurance, of course. There are nutritionist visits. Um, <clears throat> a book that I read is this uh, gentleman and his wife, they both had to have a ridiculous amount of nutritionist visits. And I totally get it. We need to know good nutrition if we're going to keep the weight off um, and not go back to, you know, unhealthy habits. But it also just seems like, I don't know, like a lot to me. There's some insurance will require a sleep study, which again, like, why really? And I've never looked into it. I don't know exactly why. But, you know, if if you're morbidly obese, you probably have some form of sleep apnea. That's just the way it is. So 
do we really need to waste the patient's time and money to 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 learn that? Um, <clears throat> and then, of course, the insurance will only approve certain surgeries or at certain hospitals. Um, one gentleman in a podcast he said that. His only options were the Ruin Y or the gastric sleeve. His insurance said, we're not going to do the band. Most people would go back and have an additional surgery, so we're not even going to give you that option. Um, endoscopies to see how your throat and your stomach are. Like, There's so many extra things that just seem like seem like a waste of the patient's time and maybe it's maybe it's um you know we're, we're trying to see how committed you are to this or we're trying to see if you're gonna go through all this trouble and and so you'll you know do better while when you're post-op i don't know maybe i'm sure it's covering their own ass too so the BMI requirements here and in Mexico are basically the same. If your BMI is over 40, then you can pretty much be qualified for the surgery. Now, if your BMI is 30 to 40, you have to have an additional obesity-related condition. That can be heart disease, diabetes, high blood pressure, severe sleep apnea, <clears throat> And the reasoning behind this is that if you have this condition, let's say diabetes, that is primarily caused by you being significantly overweight, then when you lose that weight, you're not going to be, you're, you're less likely to still be diabetic. You can reverse it. Same with high blood pressure. When I had gone to the doctor here, in, in Tennessee, I had high blood pressure, and at the time, my BMI was right at 39. And he said, well, you qualify for because of the high blood pressure. Well, I just recently found out that it's probably a hereditary thing. A lot of us, a lot of the family members have high blood pressure starting around my age in the 40s. So was it obesity-related? Maybe. Was it just genetic? Probably. But it qualified me here in America. Well, by the time I actually had surgery, my BMI was over 40. Um, <clears throat> some insurance requirements want you to lose weight before you have surgery or before you're approved. This one, I kind of feel like, hmm, are they doing it to be like, haha, gotcha, you can do it without surgery? Or is it again to, you know, make sure you're committed and, and whatnot? I do know that when we talk about the pre-op diet, it's not necessarily to lose weight even though you most likely will, 
but it is to help your liver. And a lot of people call it the liver shrinking diet or <clears throat> the, uh, oh, there's an, another one I can't think of, the liver, liver something. But anyway, a lot of obese people have fatty liver. And according to Dr. A, it is a condition that enlarges the liver and makes it heavier. And then when they go in to do the surgery laparoscopically, they have to lift the liver in order to get to the stomach. Well, if it is too heavy to move or they can't really work around your liver, then they're not going to do the surgery. And then, well, shit, there you are on the operating table and you can't have surgery. And that really sucks. And so I, I made a point to... I'm shrinking that liver. I'm going to get the surgery. I'm going to follow it, the diet to a T. And everybody has to do it a different way. And then what I also find interesting is all the surgeons have different requirements for their pre-op diet and different lengths of time. And for, for my surgeon, Dr. Alvarez, the length of time was due to how much your BMI was. So the higher the BMI, the longer you had to do the liver shrinking diet. So with my pre-op diet, it was 10 days and it is a full liquid diet. And here's some of the things I was allowed to have, black coffee, tea, iced tea, skim milk, almond milk, soy milk, low or no sugar fruit juices, which let me tell you are not very easy to find because fruit has so much sugar in it, uh, sugar-free jello, water, of course, any sports drinks, and then mostly protein shakes and broth. And let me tell you, I could not find a broth that was any kind of delicious. I don't know what they do to it, but broth is just really not that good. Uh, let's see. So plain drinkable yogurt with no fruit also could not find anywhere. Um, V8 juice, um, egg drop soup, which I did have and was amazing. And it lists premier protein, all flavors, carnation, instant breakfast, sugar-free, made with skim milk. There was also a veggie soup that he would allow us to have. And it had broth, of course, and then all kinds of vegetables in it. Well, I wasn't really feeling soupy and I didn't want to make the soup, which speaking of 98% fat-free cream soups, one can a day were also allowed. So I wasn't feeling very soupy. So I would take, uh, I would get the, the bags of frozen vegetables that were the cauliflower, broccoli, and carrots. 
the steamable ones, which is really like maybe two or three servings. And I would just have that entire bag for dinner. And it was nice to have something I could chew and have that fork to mouth motion. I've got a dog pacing around. So if you hear something crazy, that's her. Um, and then in this vegetable soup, it also lists zucchini, mushrooms, spinach, onion, celery, uh, green beans, plum tomatoes. So another thing I would do is I would take an entire can of green beans and dump it in a bowl, dump, hello, dump it in a bowl, heat it up, throw some everything but the bagel seasoning on it. And that was my dinner. And it was amazing. Was that garlic was in the, in the bagel seasoning was giving off some nice smells. Um, the other thing that we did pre-op was I had an entire cabinet. Oh, now the dog has a toy with a squeaker, so this will be fun. I already took a bone away from her because she was making so much racket with it. Hold, please. I took one of the cabinets by the fridge and cleaned it out and made it my cabinet, the bariatric cabinet, and it had all my cream of whatever soups, my broth, my green beans, my um, protein mixes, all my vitamins. Like the whole cabinet is mom's cabinet. Don't take anything out of it because you don't need it. And that was a huge help. So everything was in one central place. Now the other dog is looking at this toy that I stole. I swear. Anyway, um, everything was in one place. I knew where to get it. I knew what I could have. I knew what I couldn't have. Another thing I did is our fridge has a drawer. And I made that mom's drawer. And I had all my protein shakes in there, my protein water. Um, when we talk about changing tastes. We'll talk about the protein water. Yuck. Um, yuck now. It wasn't yuck then. But yeah, so I had the drawer and the kids and the husband knew this is mom's drawer. This is all she can eat. She can't have anything. But what's in this drawer and what's in this cabinet? So please God, don't touch the stuff. And that has really worked out well for us. And then once I got tired of certain things or jello was just too much, I would move it to another shelf in the fridge and that became, you know, kid-friendly snacks or whatever. Another thing we did, I did to prepare was I got the Berrytastic app and I started tracking the first day of my pre-op diet. And again, that was 10 days. And I was trying to get myself in the habit of tracking, which, you know, I'd done Weight Watchers a million times and I'd done Noom. And 
so I, I was familiar with tracking already, but the Veritastic app is so amazing and has been a huge help. And it lets you take like timeline pictures and, and really I use it also to track how often I poop, which might sound a little crazy, but we don't, I don't seem to poop very often anymore. <laughs> so I try to keep an eye on that and make sure things are moving the way they need to be moving. Um, other things to prepare, get your vitamins ahead of time. You don't have to, I didn't have to start taking them until, um, a week post-op, but it was good to know they were there. They were ready. Um, making sure you have a variety of protein drinks because what you like pre-op, you may not like post-op and that has definitely been my experience. But, and if you're going to Mexico, make sure you have your driver's license or your birth certificate or, oh, that was a very, very sweet puppy or your passport, um, you don't need to take any kind of, you don't have to convert your money or anything like that. Um, everybody with my, my experience in, um, Pedras Negras, we know that I can't say it. Um, it was just such a wonderful experience and such a wonderful time. And the people that were my surgery buddies, they were, they were all amazing people. And um, like I said before, I went by myself and I, I never once felt unsafe. The only time that I thought, man, I really wish somebody was here with me was a light was left on and I didn't feel like getting out of bed to turn it off. <laughs> I, I, I really didn't need anybody there with me. Um, Chris would have been bored out of his mind. There wasn't enough coffee there for him. He drinks like 18 pots a day. Not really, but you know, close to it. And there, there just wasn't enough coffee there for him. And he, he just, he would have been bored and he would have been worried. And I don't have time to sit around and take care of you while I just had surgery. Not really. He's, he's a sweetheart, but you know, our, our partners worry about us and I didn't want to have to worry about anybody else but me. And I had a wonderful time. I got to watch my stories and I got to read and I walked, 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 walked. Other things to do is find podcasts, find, um, the weight loss community, the weight loss surgery community on Instagram are huge. It, it is a huge community and it is so supportive and has so many great tips and, and help and ideas. And like that to me, I kind of feel like I missed out on the nutritionist portion of, you know, American requirements, but I'm also capable of Google and I have a huge support group just on Instagram and 
all these people, they cheer you on for every little bitty thing and it feels so good and they don't judge and it, it's a remarkable community. So I highly encourage getting on there and finding accounts that you really like that inspire you that you know teach you whatever and find other podcasts there's several that i enjoyed the first one that i really found there's our smelly thing again that i liked was um our sleeved life podcast and those two women have been a huge inspiration to me and they've been so helpful they don't they don't even know it like (laughs) they don't know how much i sit here and just admire them the no guts no glory is a fairly newish one that i really enjoy and then the other one that i really like is my gastric sleeve podcast with nima who doesn't know that he's my best friend me and Chris's BFF, but he is. So, you know, Google, 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 find books that you want to read or listen to, podcasts, um, you know, Facebook groups, whatever. All the information, all the support is out there. And maybe, you know, listen to this too and see (laughs) if we can be supportive in any way. I certainly hope so. So that is it for today's episode. Oh, there's that puppy again. Next week, we will talk about my surgery and then my post-op diet, which as of this recording, I'm still in the middle of, (sighs) but it's really close. So we will see you again next time. Maybe Chris will be with me. Maybe he won't. Talk to you soon. Bye. Everything I did to prepare was, you know, getting, getting stuff ready for your, for your go bag, whether you're going to be in the hospital for just the day or overnight or a couple days. I was going out of the country, so I had to make sure that I had everything that I needed to go out of the country and prepare for a major surgery. Uh, one of the things that I I became kind of a freak about was COVID, which of course is a concern all around. But I, if you got to the hospital and you tested positive, then they were going to let you go home. And I was not about to fly to San Antonio drive for two hours to Mexico, get there, spend all this time and all this money, and then be told you have to go home because you have COVID. And so I I became a stickler about that. And I wouldn't leave the house. And I made the kids wear masks around the house. And I may, may have gone a little too far. But, but like I said, I was going out of the country and doing all this Um, prepare with your work some people take a couple weeks off I didn't Chris thought I was crazy Um, because you're having a pretty major surgery and they're removing a very large chunk of your stomach and 
I possibly naively was like, meh, it'll be fine. I mean, what do I do really? I sit at a desk. I'm not doing any hard work, like labor intensive work. So surely I can sit at a desk. And we did end up compromising, Chris and I. Um, I asked that I be allowed to work from home for the first couple of days, and they said that was fine. So I took off work on Friday. That was my travel day and got to the facility in Mexico by Friday afternoon. I had surgery Saturday and I was back on a plane Monday afternoon to come home. I did take Tuesday off of work and then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I worked from home and I went back to work in the office on Monday. Uh, several, a lot of people that I've, I've heard take two weeks off. And if you can do that, that's amazing. And I encourage it for getting used to things and for your mental health and, you know, myriad of reasons. So if you can do that, then go for it. I personally did not. I didn't have the time to. And I also went into it thinking I had my gallbladder and pancreatitis at the same time. And surely this is not going to be worse than that. I was very, very sick whenever that happened. And I'm going into it fairly healthy this time. And my experience probably wasn't like anybody else's or, you know, is possibly a, a minority, but I came out of anesthesia just fine. I was up walking. I was, um, I was raring to go and ready to get home and, you know, go about my life, my new life. And, you know, maybe, maybe prepare people at work for, you know, I'm not going to be able to eat very much. So let's not do lunch or, you know, whatever, whatever your situation is. I personally didn't tell anybody at work until after I had surgery. And it was actually like two weeks after I had surgery. That was just my own personal preference, but it worked out for me. I, I did say in the beginning, I was like, I'm on a, a doctor ordered liquid diet. So if I'm talking crazy, that's why, and please forgive me. And they already think I talk crazy anyway, so <laughs> it worked out. But other things to prepare, um, you know, make sure your partner is, is on board and supportive. That has was a huge help for me that Chris was so supportive. Um, this is just a reminder that neither Amanda nor Chris are doctors and you should always talk to your doctor before making any changes. This is Amanda's journey and our opinions alone. You can always find us on Instagram at bariatric life podcast and we hope to have episodes for you every Sunday. Thanks.